Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you along with science advisor Matt Moniz and Stephanie Burke. We are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And we are broadcasting live here on WBSM as well as on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And you'll notice a little bit of a change to where the camera is. We're going to go with the one camera shot tonight because... I'm going to be manning multiple things. Matt Costa, the silent assassin, is out uh, sick tonight, so hopefully he gets well soon. And this is It's always a night like this that makes you appreciate even more what Matt does, because he makes everything so seamless. He comes in here, he sets all this stuff up, which, you know, I, I, I want to help him with it, but I know that I'm just not going to set it up the way that he wants to do it. He know He's got it down. He knows what he's doing. So I kind of just let him do his thing, and then I don't really worry about it. Everything runs smooth. No problems. I'm just worried about all the problems that I cause over here. See, like, there's a problem right there. I automatically uh, already forgot to turn on the microphone. See, I don't really know what those do, but I always see you turn them up. So I'm going to tell you to turn you them up. Wait but... a minute now. Wait a minute now. I know that you're kind of new to the show. You've only you've been with us assume. for I could um, be wrong. about a year now. But, y- you know, it's, it's, it's kind of self-explanatory in terms of radio, the radio world. When you see the board and you see the pots on the board and you see them slide up, you got to know that that's... To... I watch you slide them up, but I didn't want to tell you you were wrong, just in case I was wrong. So you say, hey, I have things I want to say. Pop me up. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I let you do all that stuff. If you left me here to my own devices, I'd just completely fail. There'd be no show. Well, eventually we'll teach you how to do it on your own, in case you ever need to. The situation has come up. There has been, There's been a couple of shows over the years that I've had to do on my own. And uh, I remember the first show that I had to do by myself. I think Moniz was out of town. Matt was sick. Uh, it was before you had joined the show. And, and even Chris Balzano wasn't able to come on mm-hmm. and like, co-host over the phone. So it was, and my guest was our Gary Patterson. And it was the day that Amy Winehouse had died. Mm-hmm. And she had joined the 27 Club. So I was lucky enough to get Gary to agree to come on. And to show, I mean, everybody was trying to get Gary that night. But right. uh, he agreed to come on the show because he likes us. He's a fan of the program. So I immediately worried only about making sure we got on the radio and not so much the spooky TV aspect mm-hmm. of it. And I said, well, you know, let me let me see if I can do it. And I did. I was able to pull it all off. Wow. And I don't think the conversation suffered too much, but Gary can carry a show by himself. Mm-hmm. And so can our guest tonight, because coming up in just a bit, we will be joined by Amy Bruni. You know her from the sci-fi channel show Ghost Hunters, uh, which she uh, has recently departed from but we'll talk with her about that we're also going to talk with her about her business venture that she's gotten into since she left the program called strange escapes now we talk all the time about legend trips and what we do and we'll talk a little bit about legend trips coming up here because we've got something new on the horizon but in terms of uh you know with strange escapes amy's looking even beyond new england and she's going all over the place with some of her events. They just had an event, I believe, at the Stanley Hotel. Yes. Uh, they've been out to uh, California with some of these. They've been all over the place. And uh, one that I'll be involved in is coming like a year from now. There's going to be a cruise. The exciting a one. A Caribbean cruise and leaving New Orleans, which I've never been to New Orleans. I'm very excited to go there. Uh, and I've, I've never even been on a cruise. So It'll be interesting. I think the biggest boat I've ever been on is the Martha's Vineyard Ferry. <laughs> So this this should be uh it should be a lot of fun I've and been on a whale watch does that count? Yeah, I think I don't know what's bigger. I think the the Martha's Vineyard ferry is bigger than the whale Probably. watch boats I've been on. Yeah, you've been on the boats down at um, Fall River. No, I've you? actually never been to Battleship Cove. 
Really? Yeah, I know. Can you believe? I mean, I've been there, but I've never actually gone I, onto the ships there. Well, well I know you've been on big boats. Well, you've been on the Salem. I right, know but that. that. But that's stuck there. That's it's not, not actually moving. moving. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a boat that's actually like I'm, I'm going to be like miles out to sea, and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. So. Nope. Because you know everybody knows there's nothing going on on a cruise ship, right? No way to kill time and have fun. And no, you won't have your phone. What do you? What do you do with wait, that? Wait, no, wait. You can't have your phone. Most cruise ships, you can't. Well, I didn't know that when I signed up. How am I going to cut that cord? I don't know. It's a big cord to cut, but I know a lot of people do it. I'm and just some kidding. Some people I'll, have cell service, so I'll have no problem it cutting on that where cord. You are. As long as there's a way that they can reach me at home if there's an emergency. Although, what's going to happen if there is? You know, send the helicopter. I'll meet you on the top deck. Right. But anyway, well, it, it'll all be fine. Stop freaking me out. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Sorry. no it should be it should be a great time and uh and I believe it's already sold out so uh, and that's that's what's great about these strange escapes events is you get the chance to go all over the place mm-hmm. and uh and you get to actually kind of see the world through the paranormal lens. We'll talk with Amy about that and also for those who are unaware the the office the home office for strange escapes is right in New Bedford right. And so uh, at the location where the office is, and we'll have Amy tell us about that, she offers what she calls strange education. They have classes there that you can attend, including one that's coming up this Thursday. So you'll have a chance to come and learn from Amy and, and, and investigate the haunted building where her office is. So we'll find out more about that coming up. Uh, she'll be joining us at 1030, and she's going to stay with us for as long as she can, you know, because she's a mom, you know, right. can't always make it through a full show. Absolutely. And uh, so we'll we'll talk with her, and we'll take your calls as well at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. And I had mentioned Legend Trips uh, a few moments ago, and we do have our next event booked. We haven't announced it yet. We have not put it up for pre-sale yet for our Legend Trips mailing list. But we do have it booked. It's a return to a favorite location. And it's going to be uh, happening in August. I can tell you that much. It's uh, it's August 1st. So I can reveal the date as of right now. I can't reveal the location just yet because we have to give the people on the mailing list the first crack at buying those tickets. But the best part about that is if you're not on the mailing list, that gives you time to get on it now. Right. So if you go to legendtrips.com and sign up right there, when the pre-sale email goes out, you will get it. And you'll have first crack at tickets. And this is a location that is a very historic spot. And it's a chance to help them raise money. And our events always bring in more money for them than they do with some of their other things that go on. Uh, so um, I'm very excited to be able to help them with their fundraising efforts. Uh, and, again, we've raised over $23,000 now to date. Mm-hmm. So and that's going to go up pretty quickly with a couple of events that we have going on here. We also still have tickets to our Ventford Hall event, which is happening on June 13th out in Lenox, Massachusetts. So if you want to come on board with that, we're a little bit more than halfway sold out for that event. So you have a chance to to come out and experience the Berkshires in the summer, which Moniz and I can attest it's it's you know it's a four hour drive, but it's it it's doesn't well feel like it. it. Yeah, it's definitely well worth it. I mean, we we had a lot of fun on the trip out, and uh, then you know all all we kept talking about is you know next time we're doing this, we're doing it on the bikes, <laughs> we're save, saving a lot of money in gas, but it's going to make it really hard to bring all the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have to get like one of those bike trailers. Uh, but it really is. It's a nice ride, and uh, it's a great excuse to spend a weekend out there. And we'll get a hotel deal going. A lot of people have been asking me if we're going to get a hotel deal going, so I'm going to start working on that. Uh, and then also, uh, when we're out there, there's been some interest in seeing some of the other sites that are out there. So I'm going to find out some of the availability uh, of, say, the Houghton Mansion, if people wanted to go over there and check that out the next morning. Mm-hmm. What about the 
What about the tunnel? Uh, not allowed. Illegal. No, I mean, we can at least bring people there so they can take a picture at the site. I, I think, if I remember, I don't. there's a certain point where you can't even go closer to it anymore. Because oh. the railroad that operates it has completely shut it down. I mean, people still sneak in. I was going to say, you used to be able to go up to it. You used to be able to at least go up yeah. to it, but not yeah. inside of it. Right. And now they've kind of cut down access on that. A few of our listeners, I'm sure, have actually gone out there lately and can probably update us more. But I know that the last person that I talked to that I went out there to film something, they threw him out just for being even in the area. So, Bummer. Yeah, it is a shame, but, I mean, it is for safety, too. Because yeah. I can only imagine how many people went in there exploring that tunnel and didn't realize there was a train coming. And from what I understand, I don't know if you've been inside, uh, but from what I understand, if you're in that tunnel and the train is coming, there's no room. Like, you can't just lean up against the wall and let it go by. There's there's not enough space. I think we talked about that, and it was confirmed that there is no space. <laughs> so I hope that the person that confirmed that wasn't testing the theory. You know, like, I we stand right here when, the, when there's a train coming? No, thank you. But uh, we'll, I mean, we'll definitely see what else we can pull together in the area. I know there's a couple other spots, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would want to get into the Houghton Mansion. I don't know if John Zaffis will have his museum up and running by then. I think that's probably going to take him a little bit longer. Uh, but that will also be nearby as well. Uh, but we will, again, as I mentioned, we will have that August 1st event revealed very soon. So I think probably this week. So if you jump on the mailing list at legendtrips.com, you'll get first crack. And you can also find on that website links to the Ventford Hall uh, event. A lot of people who have gone, I'm looking at the sign-ups for that event, and a lot of people who have investigated there in the past, but never with Legend Trips, will be coming to this event. So we're going to have a lot of people that have experience investigating Ventford Hall, but maybe not in the way that we do things. So I'm kind of interested in seeing like if a different approach changes the way that some of the activity happens. As we know... You know, sometimes you'll go and start an investigation and things won't be working the way that you think it will, and you switch up tactics a little bit, and all of a sudden it goes crazy. You know, I, I still remember Moniz when we were investigating the um, the Quickishan Club. Yeah, that was a wild place. We're, we're up on the third floor where there's rumors that there were prostitutes that were mm-hmm. kept up there, and and it's uh, you and I and I think Andy Lake and Eric Lavoy were all up there, and we were getting nothing. No response whatsoever. Luann comes up. Luann Jolie of Welling City Ghost. She comes up, and just that female presence in the room, the activity yep. kicked off. I used to live around the corner from it. Did, I could see it from my window. Did you ever see anybody in it, like when yeah. when it was closed? Yeah. I used to drive by with my eyes closed. <laughs> it, it definitely it, has that feel. However, that's pretty uh, dangerous. Uh, <laughs> especially, on that, in the morning. especially on that street. Yeah. Yeah, but there's all those cars. And no, there's just a bunch of people selling drugs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's already taken off. Well, yeah. no great loss there. But but it, it, it's one of those places where when you walk in, you feel like, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you feel it because you, you have the abilities. But, you know, even Moniz and myself and, and the other people that were there, you just walk in there and you're like, okay, there's, there's something in this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's a shame that, well, not a shame for them business-wise because things are working out for them, but it's a shame that the current business model that's in there doesn't really allow for enough paranormal right. uh, investigation. We've been pushing them for an event for a long time because I think it would be the perfect fit. But I don't even know if they're open anymore. The last I heard that they were, uh, the the problem that we have with them is when we conduct an event, the bar can't be open. Right. And that's the biggest 
hold up to that yeah. because the bar is open every night. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, they're they're fine with giving you the rest of the building, but they want to keep that bar business going, and that bar business is going to be enough to screw up everything that we're trying to do. Right. Um, maybe down the line, you know, we can work it out, especially in the off season. Mm-hmm. We'll figure something out. But there's so many places that uh, we want to get into. We're, we're focused kind of a little bit right now on booking some old favorites for Legend Trips. Right. You know, we're, we're trying to go with a plan of a mixture of new places and a return to some other places, but maybe at a different time of year, which I think will be interesting. Because sometimes, you know, there's there's different people that are, you know, we live in a touristy kind of area. Right. So that brings in different people that can come and attend the event but it also brings in different factors to the to the night's investigation as well so pretty excited and i've i've been uh thinking racking my brain of uh, of different approaches to take with some of these investigations because i'm afraid i'm getting pigeonholed now as a, as a ouija guy <laughs> because i bring the board mm-hmm. to our events and we always seem to have some sort of luck with it when we use it right and at salem con that's what I was using the most with people in the basement of the T-shirt shop, and we were getting all kinds of crazy stuff. Don Bouchard has the uh, the video of our Ouija session that he's working on finalizing the edit, and when you see this, it's it's pretty crazy what was mm-hmm. going on. Uh, but the problem is, you know, to anybody else, it just looks like two guys that are playing around with a board and could be manipulating it themselves. Right. So I, I'm very weary of being pigeonholed as a Ouija guy, for that matter, you know, for that for that reason. I mean, you could do all kinds of different things. There's so many different ways to communicate. You could do anything you wanted to. The Ouija board can be there, but maybe not initiated. Let I, people know, do it on their own. A part of me is, is sick and twisted, though, because I like the fact that when you pull it out, half the room is like, whoa, no. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the room is like, oh, yeah. And I think that that brings an energy about that. Uh, on, no matter what side you fall on it, it changes the dynamic of the room. I think a lot of people like it because they have a lot of experience with it and uh, somebody that's never really been ghost hunting has been on you know some sort of party where they pulled out a ouija board so it's something that they can gravitate to because they know it as opposed to using like emf meters well, and, and things like yeah, that. yeah but the other half is terrified of it and has caused issues in the past and, and there events. were people that you know yeah. when I, I i did a lecture at salem con on the idea of creating a spirit, and we used mm-hmm. a Ouija board to try to contact that spirit, and you could just see some people like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just yep. walk out now. Uh, but part of it is not only are the people in attendance more comfortable with it and understand it better, maybe so do the spirits, because you could be dealing with somebody that has no idea what this little light up device is, mm-hmm. but they see a talking board and they're like, oh yeah, I recognize that. So I think that, that kind of brings a, a, a different factor and a different dynamic into it as well. But I can tell you that there will not be any Ouija boards at the stage show, however. On May 22nd at the Blackstone River Theater. No need for it. No, we've got some pretty creepy stories already. And the best part about it is we've packed the show with stories, but they're also in-depth stories to the point where we're looking at this and saying, do we need to start cutting some of these stories? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the the fact that we're providing at least what we hope will be a lot of bang for people's buck, uh, I I think that they'll uh, they'll be pretty happy with it as long as, you know, as long as we deliver. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, especially with Frank Grace's pictures. Oh, they're amazing. And and he's already been sending us some of the photos that he plans on using. And, you know, I've seen some of them, obviously, mm-hmm. working with him with Legend Trips events and everything. Uh, but there is, uh, I, I don't want to give too much of, of it away, but there's a cemetery that one of the stories focuses on. Mm-hmm. And all I'm thinking in my head is really like, how is this cemetery going to look any different than any other cemetery when you put it up there on the screen and, and you're telling the story and Frank's showing me on his iPad 
some of the photos that he's taken of that cemetery. And I was just like, whoa. Don't say knowing Frank, he probably outdid himself. And not just using photos that he's edited in the past. He's probably been working every single night to make these photos. Oh, he's, and he's already given us a, a, a shot list of things that he plans on going out and shooting. Mm-hmm. I, I One of my stories takes place on the Cape at a place that he had never heard about and I had never heard about previously. Yep. And uh, so I, you know, I said, you know, hopefully we can get out there. We can maybe find this pond where part of the story takes place. And and uh, he sent me an email. He's like, I found the house. I found the pond. I took all these great photos. Oh man, he's amazing. He is, and, uh, and the so, nicest guy ever too. And, and if you haven't listened to the podcast episode that we did with him uh, a few episodes back, I've got all the podcasts up to date. Apparently, I uploaded them, but I didn't. So mm-hmm. uh, I re-uploaded them the other night. So now they're up there if people want to check them out. And uh, you will actually have the opportunity to hear Frank talk about his process of how he goes out and, and takes these photographs. And uh, I'm going to uh, just allow you to talk about Frank for a moment while I fix the computer because I'm losing power here. You're losing power? Yes. That's not allowed. Well, before we talk about Frank real quick, because it was a request, um, we had a request come in on our Facebook page for a shout-out to John McKay from Ogroats. I'm sorry if I butchered that, but he asked for a shout-out the next time we were on, and he's the one that did bring up the podcast. So there is your shout-out. Keep listening. Let us know how we're doing. Anybody else that's out there that listens weekly, been a fan for the show for 10 years, write us, email us, tweet us, anything, and let us know what you like, what you don't like, that you're listening, and we'll give you a shout-out on the air. The... uh I mean, the podcast is something that, you know, when people say to me, you know, my Monday morning wasn't the same because the podcast wasn't up. You know, I feel I feel bad about that. I'm sorry. I mean, Frank I, talked about that when he was on. I know. It's a, work I only fast. know the, the way I see it is it looks like it's uploaded. And then if I remember to go and check during the week and mm-hmm. say, oh, let me see what the numbers are for downloads. And then I see zero. I'm like, OK, something's wrong. So, right. I, you know, you got to let me know. Uh, but the other matter is, too, if we don't get those podcasts up, it makes it harder for the rebroadcast on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And we don't want to screw that up because right. the announcement came down this week that in July, Art Bell will be debuting on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Yep, we talked a little bit about that. So you will, uh, they were waffling on it. They were going to come on mm-hmm. and then he was going to start, then he wasn't going to start. But now it's official. It, it will start uh, in July. So we want to make sure that we don't screw anything up because I'm trying to get Art to come on the show. Perfect. I think that that would just be amazing. But he he's never been that kind of a guy. He's never been a guest on other people's shows kind of guy. Well, me the first then. Work some of your Weisberg magic over there. Well, I mean, I think that it would be, uh, you know, it would be a great conversation for yes. sure. I would really want to get into kind of the ins and outs of some of, you know, how art brought paranormal topics to the airwaves mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and what some of the internal battles were in trying to do so. I mean, was it a matter of they didn't, you know, as long as he brought in the numbers, they let him talk about whatever he wanted to, or did he have to fight to talk about these topics at a time when, you know, it wasn't really fodder for the airwaves? Right. You know, people say, well, hey, take a look at it. You know, the, the, the X-Files came out, and that was popular, but the X-Files kind of came after art. After I was already covering some of these topics, I mean, I know he really started to hit it big in the, in the late 90s, but in the early 90s, he was on the air talking about this stuff. And, uh, you know, I've always assumed that he was influenced by people like Long John Nebel. Yeah. And and even that kind of is influenced by some of the work that Harry Price did on the radio. So it does go back, and there is a lineage, and I'd like to hope and think that people consider us part of that lineage 
Uh, I got so many compliments, even though I only uploaded it a couple days ago, so many compliments about the show we did last week mm-hmm. with Andy and Anne-Marie and, and talking about just covering that story and sharing that story with the world. And, and they were impressed by the fact that this wasn't something that you'd ever seen on TV. Right. You hadn't read about it in a book, but yet it's this amazing case that probably tops most of what other groups have worked with. And, and this has been an ongoing documented thing. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can do more shows that are of similar vein. Or even, you know, have an update show with them because that was pro- that wasn't even a quarter of what's gone on. Oh, and then they're so. telling stories afterwards, and I'm like, why didn't we mention that on the air? Because yep. <laughs> we ran out of time. Uh, so yeah, we definitely will have a, a follow up on that. And people are asking the same question I asked. Wait, like, we, you just gloss over the fact that a ghost killed somebody. Mm-hmm. So we'll get more into that next time, I promise. Uh, one real quick thing that I want to mention, because Chris Balzano said that he wanted to hear our take on it. Have you heard of this Game of 72, this this story that's been going around? And it's, apparently it's a big thing in France right now. No, I think I saw him post something about it, but I didn't have time to read it. What it is is, is there's teenagers that are daring each other to disappear without a trace, without a sign. Oh, you know what? I saw a news article, but I didn't get to read it. That's what it was. It's like 24, 36, or 72 hours mm-hmm. is the deal, is the dare. And so basically they want, you know, they, the teenagers are daring each other to disappear. No cell phone contact, you know, don't answer any calls or texts. Uh, basically nothing for 72 hours. And, and it's a dare that these kids are trying to, to complete. And their parents are probably going insane with worry while this is going on. Right. Uh, but it's apparently become a phenomenon. Well, it sounds like it would really stress out the local police departments, too. They're spending resources unnecessarily trying to find these but people. You have to be missing for a certain amount of time before they even start looking. So it depends on, I mean, that's kind of cut into that time. They probably right, I mean, won't I know, start I know here, two hours, and that's when they show back up. I was so. going to say, I know here, you know, usually if you call somebody within a day, they're always like, well, yeah, let's just kind of monitor yeah. it and see what goes on. Um, uh, especially these days when we when we have, though, you should be able to communicate with somebody pretty much any time. Yep. You should be able to follow along with what they're doing. You should be able to ping their cell phone and see where they've been. Mm-hmm. That you would think that, you know, even 24 hours would be cause for concern if you're not getting those types of responses. Um. I know, you know, certain local pages on social media, news reports um, in the New Bedford area, a few girls have gone missing. I think at least three of them over the past, we'll say, two months. And they went missing for a long time, weeks. And they all were recovered, all fine. They were all runaways. But the police would not do anything until that that time limit when the the parents could file that report. So... Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's good reason for it, but... From the other side of it, though, like from from the perspective of these kids, I mean, uh, I guess maybe because it's it's indicative of the way that we live now and and the way society is now, this might be kind of that last great dare that they can do Mm -hmm. for each other. Cut yourself off from everybody else. Cut all communication because it is such a vital link for kids. I mean, can you imagine seeing a teenager go 72 hours without picking up their cell phone? Yeah, you know, my son's impossible. 10. I couldn't imagine him going that long. No, I mean, not even to make a phone call or to text anybody, but even just to pick it up and play a game. Right. You know, even just to kill a little time. Like, mm-hmm. it just becomes part of it. And, and if they do that, you would be able to see that there was activity on their phone. I don't know. I just think that it's stupid. And I agree. Hopefully it ends relatively quickly. But Chris being the chronicler of modern mythology and folklore that he is, you know, he's strangely fascinated by it. So I'm sure he'll follow along with the story and he'll have updates for us uh, as they go on. Is there uh, uh, 
uh, is there any stupid dare that you took when you were a kid that you, you kind of regret having done now? No, I was that nerd in like the truth and dare games that I always picked truth because I didn't want to do a dare. And because you I never did anything wrong in my life. I was going to say, because even your truths were pretty boring. Probably. Like, the, the, the scariest question anybody could have asked you is truth or dare? Exactly. No, no, no. Oh, truth, truth or dare? Or dare? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a crush on so and so? No, no, no. Yeah, no like truth or dare? You pick one. Oh, truth no. or dare? No, I don't want to pick one. Say truth. Truth. Okay. Uh, do you see ghosts? No. That would have been like the scariest thing somebody could ask you. Like, the only thing that you wouldn't want to do. I think I might have been more afraid of admitting who I had a crush on. But I was also like fifth grade. So. That's true. Monies, I know that we're going to probably be sorry with this question, but you're going to be sorry with either one. What's the stupidest thing that you did in the day when you were a kid? Oh. If you talk are, are you, talk, dare, are you talking <laughs> about playing the game, or you know, just no, just regular on a, dare? Yeah, just on the dare. Anything that anything as crazy as disappearing for seventy-two hours? No, no. It's well, it, it, it's all in perspective, I guess. He's like, yeah, I could disappear for 72 hours. Nobody noticed. <laughs> True. All right. Well, I'll let you think about that because we have joining us on the line our guest for tonight. Uh, you know her from the sci-fi channel show Ghost Hunters, but we know her from way before that. Uh, she's been a longtime paranormal researcher and investigator, and she's just one of the coolest people around. Amy Bruni joins us via the telephone. Hello, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? We are spooktacular, and, uh, and and great to talk to you again, even though, you know, we talk like every day. But uh, it's great to hear your voice instead of <laughs> typing words on a screen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, But you've been very busy lately. You've been all over the place. I know. I know. I can't stop, apparently. <laughs> um, we had a really busy April, and... You know, we went to the Belvoir Winery, and then we went to the Stanley, and now I'm home, thank goodness, but I'm going off again on a couple of small things the next couple of months, and then we start all over again, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so, see, there you go, folks. There, in actuality, that's what happened. She couldn't do the TV show anymore because she had to be in so many other places. She couldn't set aside time for filming. You wouldn't believe how many people say that to me, and they, they're like, you said that you didn't want to leave your child, but you seem to be going all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, I am, but one, it's not as often. It's usually one or two weekends a month, and half the time my kiddo comes with me. Yes, there's plenty of pictures of your daughter with you, so. Yeah, yeah, she's become quite the little traveler, and so, you know, it just, it's, I make my own schedule and my own rules now, and I like Which that. Which is awesome. Yes. And, and that's the great thing is, you know, when, when you're going to somebody else's event, uh, when you're being booked as a guest, there's always that debate internally of, you know, do I bring my child to this? This is not going to be an environment in which, you know, she's going to have a good time. She's really not going to enjoy what's going on over the course of the weekend. Do I want to put her through that just to be with her? Uh, but when you're running your own events, you can find ways to work it so that it, it works out for you as a mom. Exactly. And, you know, when it's my event, I can budget for it. You know, I, I you know, Charlotte is budgeted into the event. <laughs> and so <laughs> she's definitely coming. And, you know, I usually fly out like a relative or somebody to watch her and um you know when i can't be with her and and that's just how it works when i'm doing someone else's event that's usually mommy's little getaway <laughs> that means i get to go do an event and not have to be in charge of it and charlotte goes and stays with the uh, the in-laws for the weekend <laughs> so it's like a mini vacation <laughs> well but also too i mean when you 
look back on this, and, and when she looks back on this when she's growing up, she's given the chance to see some pretty interesting and unique places. I mean, this, yeah. these, not everybody gets to say they grew up in some of the most haunted places around. No, and I, I look at it. We have this kind of tradition now. I mean, it's only been two years, but like the last two years, she has spent Easter uh, on the road in in like a haunted location. Her very first Easter egg hunt was on the uh, front lawn of the Stanley Hotel, and then this last year, she, her second Easter egg hunt was at the Belvoir Winery. They have a big uh, Easter egg hunt there, so. Um, I have these great pictures of her in these huge spooky places looking for Easter eggs. And and then not only that, she's got this whole paranormal family, you know, between Adam and Chip and Adam's husband, Ben, and, you know, Sarah, who travels with me. You know, she's just got this this on-the-road family kind of like I do, and they've all just kind of adopted Charlotte. (laughs) But one one of the questions that comes up with with parents and the paranormal, and I, and I think we've discussed this too in the past, is now how do you explain to her what's going on for the reason why you're going to these places and, and why all these people are coming to, to hang out with mom at all of these places? Do you give her any kind of indication of what it is that you do? Uh, I, I'm sure I will eventually. I'm not sure how to broach that subject. <laughs> uh, you know, at this point, you know, she's so tiny and doesn't really understand it. She just thinks it's normal. And the weird thing, too, is that she, people bring gifts for her and things. <laughs> and so she'll stand there, you know, like at the Stanley, um, I had her with me for like an hour one day so that um, the girl who was watching her could go have lunch. And so I just had her sit with me in the lobby. And people were bringing her presents, and uh, people wanted her to, like, sign things. She can't even write. <laughs> so, um, but she just thinks it's normal, and she's just really like, oh, yay, ha-ha, this is so fun. And so I have no idea what I'm going to tell her. <laughs> I really don't. Well, I mean, it's going to be something that I think probably other people will tell her. If you don't tell her, other people are going to, you know? It's, right, It's going right. to be one of those things that even though when she's – uh, in school, and I, you know, I don't know what the future holds for you in terms of, uh, you know, television. But even if it's just a matter of they, some of the other kids just see Charlotte's mom on TV, on reruns. You know, they're they're going to be aware of it, and yeah. and they're going to bring it up to her. And and I know that I've had that happen with my son, where some of his classmates, you know, their parents are into it, and so they know that he's the kid of the guy who does that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because. Even my my niece and nephew are older, and their classmates somehow figured out their, you know, Auntie Amy was is on TV and hunts ghosts on TV. So it gets around, and so I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to make it as normal as possible for her. You know, obviously it's not that normal, but <laughs> the traveling and whatnot, and and that's going to have to kind of get scaled back too once she goes into school full time when she's older. So there's just, you know, uh, Leah and her dad, we talk about all the time. Like, we're not, it's weird. It's one of the things we're just going to have to, like, cross that bridge when we come to it. It also doesn't really, you know, there's also the fact that she might be more recognizable than you these days. She's, she's probably more uh, recognizable to the to the public than, than you are. I think more people have seen her viral video than Overwatch <laughs> Ghost Hunters. I, I know for a fact that, that more have. And it was funny, I was... Um, I know. I think you may have seen it, but like some discovery show wants to license the video. <laughs> I'm like, oh great, Charlotte, <laughs> you're all over the place now. But um, 
Yeah, I, it, it's funny. I think you're right, actually, <laughs> especially her face. I post her on Facebook, and I don't know how long I'm going to continue that, but, you know, because she's small now. She's not going to look that way. In a couple of years, she's right. going to look totally different. So we'll see how long I continue that. But I did have somebody recognize her in Target once before they recognized me. It's a hard thing. Sometimes people don't always put the two and two together. You know, it's like when pe- you know, you're hanging out with Dustin and people recognize him as that guy from the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> That's true, right? He's branched out. <laughs> well, anything that involves sweet treats, you get, you know that he's going to be somewhere in there. So I don't know how he does it. I don't like. I have seen a man consume sugar. Like I, I just don't understand how he can be alive. <laughs> That's crazy. I think he ate half that birthday cake we gave him last summer. I think, and that thing was huge. But uh, it is insane. I would die. I would keel over. I would go into sugar shock. And uh, and the funny thing too is when when you're out with him in public and you can kind of see like and I'm sure you experience it too, you know you see the people that kind of recognize you and they, and they they don't want to bother you and then they it's it's one of those things where it's you know some celebrities and some people who are on television uh, people have no problem just walking up to them I don't know if it's because you guys deal in the subject of ghosts and the paranormal that people are a little bit more reluctant to come up to you it's almost like uh, they know that if they approach you because they want to tell you that they're a fan of the show and they're a fan of your work, inevitably they're going to have to share their own ghost story with you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. And and sometimes it can get really emotional, too. So um, I found actually people really have no trouble coming up to us. Really? <laughs> and, and, and the next thing you know, you're cornered in the grocery store for an hour. <laughs> so it, it happens. Um but I've also found they're not sure when they just see one of us, but when we are traveling in a group, it's we're done for. <laughs> if they see one and they're not sure and then they see another one, they're like, oh, my gosh, it is them. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, then you're really – and then they think you're together all the time, too. That's the other thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, that is a common misconception. They, people think we're all joined at the hip and we're family and we live in a big ghost hunters commune somewhere. <laughs> Actually – that, I think you just gave Pilgrim an idea for a new series. <laughs> just what they need. They're going to take all the former Ghost Hunters cast members, put them all in a house, and see what happens. It's like Big Brother, but spooky. <laughs> see which one becomes a ghost first. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I'd put my money on. Last 24 hours. <laughs> right. I was thinking Survivor. Yeah, well, either way. I know, I know the one person that would be the first one voted off that island. <laughs> if he was even allowed on to begin with, but anyway. We don't have to mention names. Yeah, the producers are like, he even owes me money. Forget it. No. <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on. But, but that's what's great now is you have the time to, to spend uh, with with the family. You have time to, spend, time to spend on the projects that you're passionate about and on the things that you really care about and really want to do. I mean, that's something that I can imagine that when you're filming and when you're you know a cast member of the, the television show, your time must have been severely budgeted, and if you even had any time to yourself, uh, it certainly wasn't going to be spent being able to put forth the effort of building a business. No, no. And, I mean, I started building Strange Escapes. I mean, it was kind of in my head for a long time, but I couldn't um, dedicate the time to it that I wanted to when I was filming with the show just because not that the schedule with Ghost Hunters is terrible. I mean, they really... The last um, season I was on it, and I'm hearing even now it's even better, but they really learned to kind of streamline the process. And so 
um, the schedule wasn't awful. It was just I never knew when I was going, and I never knew where I was going. And so I would find out, like, the week before. And so I couldn't make any long-term plans. I couldn't, you know, I didn't know what my time schedule was going to be. And so I just kind of started working on Strange Escapes loosely. But then as soon as Season 9 was done, I really kind of put the pedal to the metal and, and started going for it. Well, when you were filming the show, was somebody in production making all your travel arrangements for you? And they would say, just, you know, show up here, the ticket will be waiting for you, or here's the ticket to print out. Was that all being taken care of, or you were already doing a lot of this on your own? Well, I mean, they they took care of travel for us. But, I mean, we would know where we were going maybe like a week or two before. Um, so when I first started, we would know months before, but towards the end there, it was kind of up in the air a lot of the time. And so, um, but they didn't, make, you know, they would make all the travel arrangements for us. But even if they were doing that, you're still learning the process of, you know, all this stuff is kind of building up in your mind of how to best put it to use in creating a business that's going to be bringing people all over the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm a huge traveler as it is. It's, you know, it's something I love to do. And, um... I had done an events company uh, with Jay Grant and Britt called Beyond Reality Events that we'd done together for a few years. And so that kind of gave me, you know, we did a lot of uh, flight booking and hotel arrangements and hotel contracts and all that. And I was a project manager before, so I, you know, am very project-oriented. And so it was um, it was pretty easy to pick up. And, you know, I hired... Sarah Coombs used to be on 30-odd minutes to kind of help me with everything. And so with her, like between the two of us, like we've got this down to a science. (laughs) That being said, though, there's probably still challenges that come into play with everything. And and just seeing the itinerary you put together for the cruise event, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, how does somebody like even come up with all this? And then I would just be worried sick. I'm not trying to make things more. I'm losing sleep over the cruise. The cruise might be the most stressful thing I've ever planned in my life. Like it seemed really easy at the time. I'm like, oh, we'll just do this, we'll do that. But the, pro- I mean, it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. But we sold it out very quickly, and um, we sold a lot of cabins. And so my group is bigger than I thought it would be at first. And so now I'm having to work with like different tour companies. I mean, I have a year, but I'm kind of anal, and I like to get it all done ahead of time. And so that has been my, the, the cruise has just been the, the hardest thing I've ever planned. And once it's done, like once we're on that ship and I have my first margarita, I'll be like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but that, but that's, you're thinking outside the box, though, which is what's going to keep people interested in Strange Escapes. The fact that right. you're not tying yourself down into one type, an event, uh, type of event and the fact that you're always coming up with something unique and, and different levels of uh, you know, different levels that people have to dedicate to it and different levels that people would pay for it. So even if you're somebody that doesn't feel like you're ready to hop on a plane and go visit some of the most haunted locations, you know, you have the Strange Education right here in New Bedford for people to come out and uh, and come to the home office of Strange Escapes and, and learn a little something and have a chance to investigate. Yeah, and that that is just fun for me, you know, because I have this amazing office space. And it was funny because I was looking for an office for a while because I definitely outgrew, like, the dining room table. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was going to get a divorce soon if I didn't get the business out of the house. <laughs> and so I started looking for an office, and um, everything was just neat because I'm, I'm out in Westport, and everything out here was just kind of like in a strip mall or, like, above a convenience store. And 
And then I happened to see this amazing Victorian that had an office available in New Bedford. And so I went and took a look at it, and I just knew instantly, I'm like, I need to have my business here. And uh, after a couple weeks, a larger office came available downstairs, and so I moved into that one. And it just had this really great space, and I was like, you know, I need to use this for something. And um, in the meantime, I've been talking to the two women who own the place, and I'm like, well, you know about our ghost, right? And I started just hearing all these stories. People were writing me on Facebook. You know, the guy who originally built the house shot himself upstairs in my old office. <laughs> and so, um, and people reported seeing the ghost of a little girl there. And, and so there was all this activity, but it had never been investigated. And then I started having experiences there, you know, as I was moving in. Um, I've had drawers open and closed right in front of me. I had a door that I needed to come unlocked, like... I had to call the landlord because I needed this door to be unlocked so I could move a desk out of my old office. And I called her, and she's trying to figure out how to get down there, and I came back, and the door was unlocked. <laughs> and so wow. just really strange little things. And so all of a sudden I thought, why don't I do, like, workshops here, you know, just something small, and it'll be fun. I can do it a couple times a month. And, and so that's what I've been doing is I, I bring in someone, you know, like an author or – um, you know, like Adam's coming, but some, I think Chip's going to fly down and do a couple. And we just kind of hang out and do little workshops. And then afterwards, we investigate for a couple hours because, because nobody's in the office building at night. So we just have it to ourselves. And it just, it worked out perfectly. And, uh, you know, you and I, we have a mutual friend, Jim, who uh, came over and helped you out with some stuff. And we just happened to be talking about the office. And it's like, dude, that place is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he saves the day, by the way. He, he gets a shout-out big time. Oh, he saves the day so many times. I can't even tell you how much I've had him come over to my house and do. And, and uh, actually, right now, he's got my truck in the driveway putting a new transmission in it. I believe it. Like, I mean, seriously, I just kind of put out on Facebook, oh, I had office furniture delivered, and they just left it in the lobby, and my office was upstairs. And I just put out on Facebook, Hey, I have this office in the lobby. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yay. You know, and like within 45 minutes, that guy was in my office assembling the furniture, carrying it upstairs by himself when two guys couldn't even get it up into the front door. <laughs> he's he's kind of nuts like that. Uh, that's what you got to love about him. And, <laughs> and it's funny because we, you know, we've talked about this uh, in the past. It's funny how much we've become connected over the years. Like, you know, how long? Some weird light. Thing happening over my head. Uh, don't say it's a bug. I don't know what it is, but uh, I mean, you know, you and I have been talking since back in the Beyond Reality Radio days, and and uh, and then it turns out, you know, we end up having friends that are my neighbors and people that live in the same town. It's just, it's crazy. It's, I know it is really weird, and gosh, it's it's been like ten years. Now. Has it been ten years? I feel like it's been like almost ten years. It has to. Be. Yeah, yeah, pretty close to it. Yeah. So. Kind of weird, because we never would have thought all the way back then that someday we'd be talking about how you have an office running a business, you know, a mile yeah. from where we're sitting right now. No. And, I, I mean, I was in California, and honestly, New England always kind of had this far-off appeal to me, and I'd never been there, or been here, rather. And I just, it just kind of was something I was like in storybooks i don't know i just had this like really crazy idea about new england <laughs> you know i always thought of like salem and and cemeteries and autumn and like and it was just picture perfect and i'd never been here and so then for me to ultimately end up living here 
it was wild. It just kind of was this crazy sequence of events, and I love it. I mean, I'm really happy to be. I mean, this winter I didn't love it, but I love it now. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even tell you what we what we think of California. Well, you know what our uh, our mindset was about it, but you know, oh, well, typically I don't tell people here that I'm from California because it's, a bad, it's yeah. all over. <laughs> so it's a bad idea. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, the differences too. And when we when you're researching the paranormal, I mean, we have there are differences here. There's a, a lot older European ghosts here than there were in California, but you also have, you know, a different variety of, of stories that are coming out there, different cultural stories that are coming out of there as well. Actually, European uh, ghost stories go back to uh, basically the days when they had the conquistadors out yeah. there. So. I mean, every region has their own long history. Right. But you're coming here with, I mean, the mindset that you might have out there uh, in terms of the, the paranormal might be different than it is here. I mean, here we're kind of handcuffed even still 300, 400 years later by the Puritan mindset. And, yeah. and we're never going to really be able to shake that with a lot of the cultures around here. We're just older no. and here. But, you know, it's, it's wild because, I mean, really New England is kind of like the Hollywood of the paranormal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like... If, if you're an actor, you want to go to L.A. If you're a paranormal investigator, you want to go to New England. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's it's just kind of where it's at. So. Well, I do think that uh, the the advantage of being here, though, is it it seems like it's a great home base for strange escapes. It's a great home base to bring people in for the for the education aspect of what it is that you're doing, and it's also it's a place where, even though. You know, there still is some some of that Puritan mindset. You can get a really good conversation going uh, locally and regionally here with people, especially the investigators around here. I tell people all the time, we seem to be devoid of the lo- a lot of the uh, the we'll call them the interpersonal dynamics, as opposed to using the drama word. But you know, we're, we're, yeah. we kind of get to avoid a lot of that out this way. People seem to already be plugged into a, a mindset of working together. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that out here. I mean, I have not, say from a few small things, like mostly everyone is is pretty awesome to work with, and everyone gets together, teams work together, investigators share ideas, and yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, people work so well out here. I'm like so close to creating a rent-a-center of paranormal equipment. That's, <laughs> I think this is the place that it'll work. Just have everybody sign a waiver you and, would. you know. That's, you can just put it in the strange escapes office. I have the room. <laughs> there, yeah, well, hey, maybe. You never know what could happen. Uh, the the good thing, too, about being uh, in New Bedford is, you know, even though your building itself has a lot of history, you're surrounded by a lot of great history, whether it be just the actual true historical stories of the area or even some of the great ghost stories of the area. Uh, eventually, there's going to be tourists coming down. I mean, I know that, you know, this will be your first summer in that building, right? So you're going to start to see the actual tourism come alive and the history of the city come alive around you. I know. And, you know, I noticed it today because I I had a little girl's day with Charlotte. They went to the zoo and then we went down to the wharf and had lunch. And I was like, wow, there's there's tourists here because I had never seen tourists in New Bedford before. And, um, but I can understand it. I mean, I love New Bedford and, um, you know, having lived here for a few years now, it's always kind of just been where I go if I want to have a, a good meal or something or kind of stroll around downtown. But I've started to kind of explore some of the side streets and everything, and there are just some amazing buildings. And 
I definitely need to like get a little bit more into the history. I mean, I started researching it a little bit just because um, once I learned about the guy Edward Haskell who built the, a house where my office is, I kind of learned a little bit more about him and about New Bedford itself. I still haven't been to the Whaling Museum, which I need to do. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole city just it kind of just hums with history. I love it. There's a, a great haunted spot right across from the Whaling Museum, the Siemens Bethel. Uh, where uh, there's there's rumored to be the spirit of a priest in there, but if you go in there, you can definitely feel something uh, happening there. And then there's places like that all over the city. There's actually there's a great book called Ghosts of the South Coast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you check that out, you might find some pretty interesting stories. I did read it. It was excellent. I probably need to grab a copy or get one. <laughs> That's right. I'll just send you a pirate copy. Thank you. Don't worry about it. I'll just steal right off the pirate bay. That's fine. Uh, well, we we do have uh, about four minutes left in the hour, and then we'll take a break for the news. And then if you can, you know, if you want to come back and join us for a little bit, I know you know being a mom and, and having a, a rare weekend where you don't have to be somewhere else, uh, you know, feel free to let us know any time that you feel like you're you're fading out. But uh, I do kind of want to get into the next hour. It's okay if you can't talk about it. But I want to get a little bit into some of the the, the wild speculation that happens. Oh yes, please. Out there. <laughs> and I, I really want to talk because it's just it's it's really, as they say here in New England, it's really stuck in my craw for uh, <laughs> for quite a, a few days now. And and we've talked about it, and I just feel like you know it, it kind of needs to be addressed a little bit because people feel like, I, I guess because maybe the basis of paranormal investigation is that we're all amateurs does that mean that everybody that has anything to do with it has to act amateurish around it i would hope not because <laughs> it seems to be the case so we we can definitely get into that yes. uh, I, I and i really i i have to be honest with you i thought about contacting the the other side of this discussion and uh-huh. uh and seeing and if if both you and and he were amenable to discussing this on the air and then i decided you know what i just that's not going to go well uh, no, no. no. <laughs> and then I saw, you know, lawyers got involved, and I was like, okay, it's probably better that there is no no contact there. It, the whole thing is so silly, but yeah. <laughs> it is. It is crazy, because if you look, if you follow Amy on Facebook, on Twitter, if you see some of the Strange Escapes posts that are out there or some of these other events that you're at, you get along with everybody. I really, and I, I pride myself on it, <laughs> and, like, I try really hard to be, like, I mean, I don't even try. I, I'm just myself, like... I am just who I am, and you can just take me at face value, and like that's it. And but I'm I'm one of the people I just am friends with everyone, <laughs> and, and so yeah, it is really interesting. <laughs> uh, and then you know, like a guy like Chip Coffee, who I only knew from seeing him on television, and we know how television can portray people. You yeah. know, I was kind of unsure how I felt about Chip, but I see that it becomes you know one of your best friends. And I'm like, well, I know that she hangs around with quality people. Uh, so then I know that he must be a quality person to, to have become part of your circle of friends. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, a, a good reference point for me to see, you know, who it is that you interact with because I know that you, you don't uh, suffer any fools. No, no, that's who Grant is for me. Like, I look at Grant, and if, if someone's close with Grant, I know they're cool. <laughs> like, all right, you're a friend of Grant's. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another good barometer. So we can yeah. talk about all this stuff coming up uh, in the next hour, and we'll get into a, a little bit of some of the dramatic stuff that I know that uh, you know people's ears perk up when they hear, hear us start talking about it. And, we, you know, we don't – we're not – firing shots at anybody here i just want to talk about this objectively and uh, and really share what bothers me about this because there's so much misinformation out there already why do we have to cause more about it amongst ourselves exactly so we can talk about that but let everybody know real quickly in the, the final minute we have here uh you do have some spots open for this thursday strange education event 
I do. Um, this Thursday, we're focusing on spirit photography. And so I'm going to talk a bit about the history of, you know, spirit photography and paranormal investigation. And I actually own some mumblers, but William Mumler is a very famous spirit photographer from the 1800s. He was a fraud. But, um, and so we'll go into kind of the history of it. But then at the same time, I brought in a photojournalist who actually has no paranormal background whatsoever. And he's just kind of going to objectively look at some more famous paranormal photographs from history, uh, and then we're going to take a look at some of our own, you know, photos we think might have anomalies in them and have him analyze them, and then we're going to go investigate the house and take photos and talk about them. Excellent. Well, strange-escapes.com is the website. We have it linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com. Check it out. We'll be back in just a bit here on Spooky South Coast. All right. Back, our number two of Spooky South Coast. Look, Stephanie, I potted you up. Thank you very much. Oh, wait, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. And you just, you talked too softly. That's why you couldn't hear yourself. Really? You do. I like, I'm, I'm boosting you up all the way. We got to get you to project a little bit more. See, it's easy when you're sitting in this seat and you can see the VU meter on the board. Because yeah, then probably. you know, like, where you have to hit. But when you're over there and you're kind of just like, I can't tell. I don't know what's going on over there. That's good. No, right around there. Oh, right there? Yeah, that's good. I don't talk loud ever. When I do yell, people Some, still Sometimes you talk. I've heard you talk loud sometimes, but uh, well, it's probably not stuff that would be fit for air. No, probably not. But that's fine. We, we enjoy that kind of discussion as well. We've done a few of those shows, but you haven't been there yet for one. No, but I'm sure it's coming. We've got to have a backyard podcast with you this year. Okay. Because we did, we did one last year at Jeff's house. Yeah, that was a which, by the way, not planned. It, it, yeah, it didn't really go like, like the way that backyard podcasts normally go. We were way too clean, we were way right. too polite, and we actually talked about serious paranormal issues. So it was like it was a regular episode of Spooky South Coast without lots of beer. So what's the fun in that? Hmm. Well, there was enough beer. Yeah, yeah, there was plenty, plenty of beer. But in uh, our guest, Amy Bruni, uh, is with us tonight. We're going to have to have you take part in one of these bi- backyard podcast episodes, too. These are, uh, let me press the button, then she can talk. Um, these these are epic. I don't know if you've ever heard one of them, Amy, but we, we basically just drink in somebody's yard and talk about the paranormal. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's, this is what we do. I mean, we started it at my house, uh, you know, in the first year of the show. We did one last year at Belanger's house. Yeah, well, How did I miss these? I, did, I don't know. Probably you were traveling around so much. That's true. Where's the next one? My house? I don't know. We'll have to figure it out because, uh, you know, we, we certainly get into some really strange topics after <laughs> a few drinks. <laughs> but that's one thing that I've always enjoyed talking with you about is because, you know, you want to go beyond just what people are accepting at face value for the paranormal. You you want to get into the reasons why. And I know that sometimes, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, your hands are tied a little bit on television with what you can present because ultimately somebody else is going to make the final edit. But you've always been somebody that wants to go a little bit deeper or a lot deeper uh, than what we're being presented in some of these shows. And, and your personal research always goes much deeper than what we see on television. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know how it goes. The more you investigate the paranormal, kind of the less you know, um, just 
things happen that just baffle you constantly. And so um, my biggest thing lately has really been um, just don't be so eager to believe that, you know, you're accepting subpar evidence, you know, kind of things. And, and so that's kind of, that's one of the toughest things about being a paranormal television personality is that, um, you know, sometimes people come to you with things like photos and, and evidence and you kind of have to tell them, oh, that's dust or, oh, that's this. And, and, and so, but beyond that, yes, I do like to kind of explore, you know, different theories and, and the science behind it. And, you know, not that I'm a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, if there's a theory, I want to hear it. And um, I think that's important. Well, I think, too, though, that when you are having your events and, uh, you know, I just know from what I've heard from people that have attended them, but you get the chance to go deeper with the people and, and to teach them a little bit more than just what they might have learned from watching reality television. Uh, so, I mean, that must be a great outlet for you to show people, hey, I'm more than just, you know, an investigator from what you've seen on television. I, I'm, I'm a lot deeper than that as a person and, and as a researcher. Well, that's one of my biggest goals is I love taking people who, because I was that person at one point, you know, I love taking people who have kind of this, this hobby interest in the paranormal. You know, they've read some books or they've watched some TV and they think it's cool. Uh, and I like bringing them into these things because I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole the Strange Escapes events to just be, you know, paranormal television fans or, you know, diehard ghost people. Um, I want them to be, to appeal to people who just kind of want to take a funky vacation. They want to do something different. They want to, you know, They've jumped out of planes. They've been on cruises. Like, they want to go stay in a haunted hotel for a weekend. But then I get them there, and I kind of blow their mind. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where they're going to have a great time, and they're going to mingle, and they're going to meet other people who have kind of different interests. But then at the same time, they're going to learn so much about what we do and the history of it and, and how we got here, uh, you know, beyond anything you're going to see on TV. Um, and I think just really kind of broaden their horizons. And I love it. I mean, people come away from these things, especially the last year, like the Stanley and Belvoir Winery. I mean, I'm still getting letters from people that are like, you know, I just wanted to kind of get away for the weekend, and I thought this was fun, but you kind of turned my whole world upside down, and I can't stop thinking about it. And that's, that's been my goal from day one. I want them to have fun, but I want them to really think outside the box as well. That's one of the best moments. I mean, when you're in the shoes of someone that's planning these events, you know, you've, you've got to worry about so much about, you know, everything going off without a hitch, everybody being safe, the location being well taken care of. There's so many different hats that you have to wear and so many different responsibilities that you have that when you finally get to the investigation portion and you can finally have that moment where you see somebody make a connection, when you see somebody have their, their worldview change and their mind blown, that makes everything that went into it worth it. It does. And for me, what I really try to do with Strange Escapes is, you know, people want that investigation. That is, like, the thing they're the most into. But I have found after they're done with the weekend, because we all know how ghost hunting goes, and especially ghost hunting in a group, you know, at an event, it's not, you know, it's not the perfect situation. You're learning a lot, and you're with a lot of people who have similar interests. And as long as you're respectful, you can get things done. You can get evidence. But... I like it when they walk away, and that kind of wasn't their headliner after all. Like, the whole weekend kind of becomes what they 
remember the most. You know, there's a particular talk or there's a particular moment or it's the accessibility of everybody or, you know, what they've learned. That is kind of, you know, I, I think the investigation draws in there and many times crazy things happen, but sometimes nothing happens, but it still has become this like catalyst for them to, to want to know more and to, to keep digging into paranormal research and, and to continue on with it. So it's, it's been really interesting to kind of see how it goes. Um, one of the more interesting things that happened recently, we had Robert Murch come out for the Stanley event. And we actually, I, I was listening to you guys earlier, I heard you talking about Ouija boards. I guess this is your thing now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I have to see merch for a better board then than the uh, than the cheapy one I'm using. Yeah, right. Do you have the pink one? Because I feel like you should have the pink one. <laughs> no, I thought, about, I thought about it, but no. Um, but I had him come out to the Stanley, and I, he spoke on the second day. So he spoke on Sunday, and Saturday night we had an investigation. So he ran an investigation spot on Saturday night before the crowd had seen his lecture. So the first half of people hadn't seen Bob's talk. And so they just met Bob, and he's like, hey, here's my Ouija board. you guys want to investigate? And, and people were, like, walking out. They were, like, coming to see me. They were, like, freaking out. But then the next day, the group all watched his lecture. I don't know if you've seen Bob speak, but his lecture oh, is yeah. just very, it's lighthearted. It's historical. You learn a lot about, you know, spirit boards um, and just kind of, it just kind of um, put a different spin on them for everybody. And so that night, as I'm letting the groups go out, when I introduce Bob to take his group, everybody cheers. and like, yay, we're so excited. <laughs> And it was just, it was so interesting to see. I changed their life. Like, Bob changed their lives. Like, they, they were terrified of Ouija boards. But the next thing you know, they're, like, you know, fighting over who gets to use one first. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's, that's the great thing about it is it's, it's the chance to see people, uh, and when they're put into that situation, see how they react and see how, how they respond as people. Because as researchers, we really like to see how people digest paranormal experiences and how they digest the possibility of having a paranormal experience. Right, exactly. And, you know, most most people are very, very eager, but then they have those moments where they kind of like have a mini panic attack going in. And <laughs> so, but we're there for them, so it all works out. One of the great things that I've seen with the, with the events that we do, and, and I'm sure it happens with strange events as well, is to see the friendships that form. And, and we've even had paranormal groups that have formed as a result of people meeting at these events. And to see the fact that it goes beyond just when everybody's getting together for you know your weekends where it becomes kind of a big reunion, but they're staying in touch with each other all the time and they're becoming friends on social media and it, it's creating a family. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, we've had people meet and, like, start dating or, like, get married. <laughs> we've had, you know, wow. um, I've met friends that, you know, have become lifelong friends that I met at events. I mean, Sarah Coombs, I met her at an event in 2008. And so, you know, you just kind of, you don't really, I mean, being into ghosts is weird. Um, it's not as weird as it used to be, but it's still kind of weird to a lot of people. And so you just don't have that opportunity very often to to have that many people together that are into something kind of different and off. And then you find, like, little subgroups of people who have similar belief systems as you do or other ones who, you know, some are more psychic-oriented, some are more tech-oriented, some are more, you know, science-oriented. So you, you just kind of learn, and, and it's, it's really it's neat to watch. 
There's going to be babies named after you and, uh, sooner or later. But, Moniz, you had a question? <laughs> no, it wasn't a question. It was more of a statement. You're right, and it's all different types of people that go to these events. And, like, with ours, we had, yeah, a couple of groups form. And uh, I got invited to Lizzie Borden's next week from a group that formed. I'll, I'll be with you until showtime, at least. Ah, okay. So you talked to Bill? Yes. Okay, cool. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave there to come here because... You know, I can't. I somebody's got to be here to press the buttons. Yeah, because we established that I can't do it. Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so somebody has to at least uh, you know warm up the microphone a little bit. Right. The, uh, really though, when you see the the Moniz's point of like different people coming together, it's different levels of experience with us, and I'm sure it's with Strange Escapes too. You've got people who are first time out, never done this before, and they tell you that I've never done anything like this before. But then you've also got people that have been doing it forever, and to see them kind of work hand in hand with each other with no issues is is an amazing thing to watch i like the mentoring yeah yeah and there's a lot of that and i think we really encourage that we try to divide the groups up to where you know we have people with equipment in each one and then you know we kind of call out i have such a great i mean i don't bring the same people like there's some you know uh key players i bring to just about every escape but then i try to bring in different speakers here and there but like Adam and Chip and Grant and stuff, like they're so good at kind of warming up the crowd and like creating that camaraderie and like we're all in this together and and it really helps I think um, because it's easy to get frustrated when you're with people who have no idea what, you know because it's a lot more involved than people think or, or realize <laughs> so um, it can be tough if you're an experienced investigator being put in a group with someone who's inexperienced but. You know, when you create that from the get-go, like, let's teach each other, let's do this together, you know, everybody's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so it's, it's important. But as you've had uh, success with Strange Escapes, and if anybody wants to find out more, again, the website is strange-escapes.com, or you can follow Amy on Twitter, at Amy Bruni. She always tweets out links to the events and everything, so that's the place to go to find out everything about it. But as that's becoming more popular and, and, and becoming more of a discussion point amongst the paranormal world, Obviously, having been somebody that's on television, it, it makes you a target for things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it certainly makes you a target for some of the, the jealous people out there. But also, you know, we, we like to think that to some degree uh, there will be some folks, because there's so much partiality amongst the, and I, I don't, I hate to keep using the word field, but, you know, amongst the, the group of people that research this topic, you would expect that certain people would be unbiased towards things and would actually try to accurately report what's going on, especially somebody that claims to be a paranormal reporter. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but that, that's not the case. And it seems like from the moment that yourself and, and Adam decided that it would be in your best interests to not have to be under the, you know, responsibility under the, uh, I, don't, I don't want to put it in any way that's negative, but to you know to to be able to branch out from having to be part of the cast of the television show all the time, to to be able to alleviate yourself of that responsibility, to be able to pursue the other interests that you have, and right. that was really all that went into that decision, right, for both of you. Yeah, I mean, what it boiled down to was that you know at the end of season nine, um, I just I knew that like for me personally. When I wasn't looking forward to going to work anymore, when, like, leaving my house, you know, there were nights where, like, I would be leaving to go film, and, and the night before, I would just be crying because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave my house anymore. I didn't want to leave my family anymore. 
and you know financially like we didn't need it because honestly like obviously reality television especially like a paranormal reality television show like does not pay much of anything and so jimmy mr x he just kept looking you know, for like two years he was like why are you still doing this like we don't need this like we're fine and you know we don't need this and it's just creating a lot of stress and you know trying to find childcare and it's not so at the end of season nine i was like i'm not going back if, if we get picked up for another season and i said it to um Adam, and he was like, if you're not coming back, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and so we just kind of left it at that. We didn't tell anybody because we really weren't sure that it was going to get picked up for another season. Um, but it did get picked up. And so when they came to us, you know, I was kind of shocked and, like, not really ready for it. And um, in our world, you know, it was just kind of like I, I didn't want to go back, but you kind of have to, like, give them some sort of option because they optioned us. You know, they said, you know, we're gonna we are gonna option your season for or for season ten, and and so we went back to them. And I just said, look, you know, I I really don't want to go back, um, but this is what, you know, if I'm gonna go back, I need this and this and this, like a schedule and like just all these things. I can't go into like details, but things that would make it work for me, which I knew full well they probably couldn't give to me because right. they have a lot of other people they need to work with. <laughs> They're a lot more important <laughs> to the show than I was. Um, but but that gives you, it, you know, it's not a list of demands. It's a list of, it, it's a way to show them how infeasible being part of it has become in your life. It's a way of kind of laying it out to say, listen, I'm not just being a pain in the ass here. These are, there's legitimate things in my life that have changed now from when I first signed on. Exactly. And, and so, um, you know, we presented that to them. They came back and they said, we can't do that. And I said, okay, no, thank you. You know, they said, we can't do that. This is what we can do. And I said, no, thank you. And that was it. Like, that was the end of it. <laughs> and um, and I think it caught a lot of people off guard because I don't think they expected it. And I think that some, you know, a lot of people put a lot more weight on paranormal television or TV in general than there really needs to be. And, and that's <laughs> the so issue. That's the thing is because there's people who would give their right arm to be in the position that you were in, so they can't understand in their mind at all why you would want to walk away from it. Exactly. And so for me, like, it's, it's like whatever. Like, I realize people are going to speculate all day long, and I really don't care. Like, I don't care if people write crap about me on the Internet or, you know, whatever. But, the, you know, when, when things start getting presented as facts that aren't fact, and and when the sources are very, like, vague and not at all legitimate, <laughs> that, that's where I start. I was like... I need to say something because this is like really like my name here. <laughs> and that was right. when I got kind of bothered by the whole situation. <laughs> well, I mean, let's face it. You've been kind of targeted all along for a variety of different factors. And, oh, and, yeah. And I don't know really what kind of kicked it off, but there are certain camps that are out there that have always uh, taken some kind of an issue with you, which I think is ridiculous because you have you know, more credentials than a lot of the people that are in the paranormal. Uh, I'm not trying to crap on anybody here, but there's a, a certain guy that so many people out there love and look to as being the, the face of the paranormal uh, who didn't actually pick up any type of ghost hunting equipment until after, you know, you were already well-established as being somebody doing this. So, you know, you, I think part of it is there is going to be a bias against you because you are a woman in the field. And I think mm -hmm. part of it is there's going to be a bias because they look at it as you being somebody who came into the show late in the game. And, you know, you are somebody who is, uh, you, let's just say you have a face for television. Mm 
whereas a lot of us do not. So a lot of people look at that and they say, well, listen, they're just planting this person into this role. And they don't realize that you've not only earned it, but you paid so many dues to to Taps and to Jason and Grant before you were even on the show. Yeah, and that's that's the tough thing. Like, I mean, and it's fine. Like to me, I, I've had. I mean, early on when I first started the show, that stuff really got to me. It really bugged me because you kind of feel like you have to prove yourself, especially as a woman. And in people, I would read things like I learned early on. Jane Grant could tell me, "Don't read the forums, don't read the internet," but you do. And I would see things, you know. And people just attacking me, assuming I just, you know, they just cast me and all this. I'm like, no, like, I've been doing this for a long time. And I wanted to, like, publish my paranormal resume or something, you know. <laughs> but I just let it go. And and I continue to just let things go. Um, but then at the same time, like, just because someone's on TV doesn't mean that they can just become kind of your virtual punching bag. Like, they're not, you know, it's bullying is what it ultimately turns into. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And for me, like, that was kind of just for, yeah. there's all these other, like, factors going into it and stuff. But for some reason, people just want to think I was fired from the show. And I don't understand <laughs> because I really wasn't. And so, um, but anyways, it's so stupid and silly. And, and I hate even having to talk about it. Like, even when I had to, like, bring an attorney into it because we were trying to, like, contact the source of this information, um, I mean, we we try to contact this person and be like, hey, you know, I'll give you the full story. I'll show you documents that prove I was not fired. Like, if that's what you need, like to retract this, but, like. But you're you're not it. a you're not a member of his favorite team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, but that wasn't you know apparently that wasn't an option, and so that's why we had to like do a stupid Facebook post from my <laughs> amazing attorney. And, when I saw that, I I, I actually. You know, <laughs> Listen, I know you, and I trust you 100%, but I did a double take, and I had to say, is this really a, a, a legitimate attorney, or is this just somebody kind of messing around? Because oh, I couldn't yeah, believe no, it, it actually... I, I couldn't believe it actually got to that point where you had to to reach that. But this this supposed journalist, for those who haven't been following the story, this supposed journalist who writes for a website, there's a whole slew of websites out there under this umbrella. All right, well, it's examiner.com, okay? And... <laughs> But with examiner.com, there's a lot of people who do great work on that, a lot of bloggers who are just looking to kind of make their break, uh, uh, get their break and, and, and make their name in the business and hopefully transition that into a real journalistic or blogging career. And then there's other people who are using it to kind of build themselves up and toot their own horn. And, and this one particular person, who I'm not going to name, uh, has decided to make himself the paranormal police. And call and I, he just had a post on Facebook a little while ago where he's trying to police somebody else in the paranormal. But anyway, he he's views himself as that. And what happened is Jason Hawes kind of uh, he, he changed the servers on his website or he redesigned the website, and an old post kicked up uh, that mentioned people saying that they left ghost hunters when that isn't the case. And this supposed quote unquote journalist jumped all over that and. Rode with that is implying that he was saying uh, that Jason was implying that you and Adam were actually fired and that you didn't leave the show on your own, and that it's laughable that you would suggest that. Yeah, um, and I mean, when it really boils down to it, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Jay, but he's not your boss when you're on Ghost Hunters. Your boss is the production company, and mm-hmm. so Jay was never even involved in anything regarding our contract, so he wouldn't 
even be the person to quote on that anyway. <laughs> so, um, so the whole thing just got it just got so convoluted and crazy. And and I mean, thankfully, this person doesn't get much traction on his right. um, his stories anyway. But that one in particular, his fans kept asking me, and so that's when I just had to kind of draw the line because you know people. I don't know. I think it changed when I had a kid. I feel like before I probably wouldn't have cared. <laughs> right, but now you know. Now there's your name means something to somebody beyond just yourself, and your reputation means something to somebody beyond just yourself. Exactly, and you know, and that's. A, I mean, I'm just a normal person, and so, and I used to be a project manager, and like I'm an event planner, and there's a good chance that down the road. I might have to, like, submit a resume somewhere, like, look for employment. I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen because Strange Escape is going to be around forever. But <laughs> if that did happen, um, you know, that person would just have to Google me. And then something like that comes up, and then I look like, you know, it's just it's not correct information. It is defamation. And, and it's just the whole thing is so ridiculous. Right. I mean, people don't realize you, you can commit libel on the Internet. Oh, yeah, and especially when you're reporting it through a news website like that and stating it as fact. I don't care people speculate all day long. You know, say, you know, rumor is, you know, Amy was fired. Like that, I'd be like, whatever. But just be like, Amy was fired. (laughs) I think a lot of people just assume just because you were on reality TV, you're not a real person, you don't have a real family, you don't have real feelings, and they can just do whatever they want. They don't realize that you are a normal person, you live a normal life, and you have a daughter to worry about. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's it, too. And I, I think about, you know, what would I tell Charlotte to do? You know, what would I? And that's, that was it for me. You know, I just I just had to stand up for that one thing. And, and if, if all I had to do was get a, a lawyer to make a statement, then fine, I did that. And that should be the end of it. It won't be. But well, <laughs> but, but even then, I mean, you know, that's just hack journalism. That's all that that was. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens. It's not exactly. that hard to reach you. I mean, I know it's it's easy for us because we know you. But I, I've seen fans interact with you all day long. And I've seen people interact with you all day long. It's easy to reach you. A little harder yeah. to reach, Jason. But still, it can be done. But this yeah. person didn't bother to do legwork on either side. No, no. And but then he even like asked Jay and then Jay posted something that just kind cuz Jay can't really legally comment on my contract and mm-hmm. so it just kind of muddied the waters even more and the whole thing just you know, it's just obviously blown way out of proportion. But, but. The, the problem though is that when you tried to defend yourself a little bit which and I know that you were even saying I can't believe I'm going to do this but I'm going to do this. Uh, <laughs> when that happens, you know, this quote-unquote journalist decides to come back by telling you to to f off. Uh, yeah, that was what was so bizarre to me, was I really just, I said, you know, here's your source, you're talking to me, and I'm telling you the truth right now, like, you know, what do you want me to do? Like, I'll swear on my daughter's life right now, I wasn't fired, is that enough for you? Like, at what point do you need me to, like, like, at what point are you going to retract this? But he wasn't, he has absolutely no intention to, and he won't ever, so. And, and I know that it wasn't the case, and I think everybody listening to this knows that it wasn't the case, but even if you were fired, so what? Well, yeah, and that's it, too. Like, the fact that people even care so much is really strange to me. I mean, I'd rather, I mean, I guess if anything, it's, you know, people say, you know, and this is the tough thing, too. A lot of fans, and even my, my family and friends, are like, well, at least people are talking about you. You know, any publicity is good publicity. Hey, <laughs> I'm sure your website hits one up. Yeah, I mean... By five, because only five people read this guy, but still. (laughs) Exactly. But 
for every person who says that, and they mean well, but they've never had that happen to them. Where, like, literally, I mean, it was worse even when I had Charlotte and people were, you know, trying to tell me, you know, I think every Caps team member was pegged as the father at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was even worse for me because I commented on that like a thousand times. See, Um, you should have just had Adam run with that one. I know. Well, we did a few times. Chip was the dad for a while. Yep, yep, I remember. Um, you know, we've uh, it's been fun, and and um, that was really hard. You know, I was so just like you know, pregnant and hormonal, and people are you know, telling me that you know I'm this you know the taps whore or whatever they right. said. Well, you were the reason why Grant left, right? <laughs> awful things. That was what happened, right? You were the reason why Grant left. Yes, exactly. Because his wife didn't want him being on the show with you anymore since he was probably the father of your child. Or, you know. It was awful. So, but anyways, that's one of many reasons why I love paranormal television. It's even better than the soap operas, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And it's sad because at the end of the day, like, all I want to do is kind of you know, look for ghosts and hang out with people who like paranormal stuff. Like, that's kind of all I want to do. And. Um, and I, I mean, I get to do that for the most part, but every once in a while, stuff like this happens. And, and it seems like, you know, when, when you go through something like that, where people, uh, you know, where people attack you and, and, and when it's happened in the past, you always end up coming out on the better end of it because there are more people I, I see that are won over by you. And, and seeing how you handle those type of things and saying, you know what, you know, I, I think she really is a legitimately good person based on how, what she's had to deal with here and the way that she's reacted to it. So if anything, these challenges give you a chance to, to just show people that you are more dimensional than what people saw on their television screen. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and I've, I've even had, you know, battled it out with a few skeptics here and there who at the end of the day are like, you know, she she likes ghosts and I think ghosts are dumb, but she's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, so... Um, but I think that there's a human side to it that you just kind of, you know, it's not all just bickering and everything. I, you know, you can disagree and still get along. It's okay. I shake my head. I don't know what you and Chip and Tenny and and uh, and Nick, I don't know what you all did to Newkirk. But you, you guys you guys neutered Greg Newkirk. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> gone on the other side. <laughs> oh, but we give him so much crap about everything he ever said about us. But we have totally won him over, thank goodness. Because, you know, I mean, he was young and doing silly things. and But, yeah, and I, I'm sure I told you the story about how he wrote a whole article about how I looked like a horse. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. That was him. <laughs> yeah, it was him. And uh, and I, I basically, I, I just, I kind of went, I'm like, wow. I said, you know, I'm not on TV to be a model, first of all. I'm here to look for ghosts. I'm like, you can attack me for anything, but really, you're going to call me a horse? That's horrible. <laughs> and he was like, wow, that was really awful of me. You're right. He deleted it and, like, put out an apology and sent me, like, a gift basket. <laughs> uh, Growing up Newkirk is so weird to me, but it's still, uh, it's nice to see him making, you know, making the, the, the levels of maturity uh, keep growing as he grows as Yeah, and it can be done, and I think it says something for us that we can all kind of welcome him with open arms even though he really did say awful things about us (laughs) and now he's the guy that's telling everybody else to stop saying awful things i don't know if you saw that great great post he had this week but he's telling everybody else you know guys calm down yeah i did see that and i agreed a thousand percent with it you know um it's uh you know but he but he's kind of seeing firsthand that we don't take ourselves as seriously as I think a lot of 
skeptics think we do, you know. Yeah. And, and there's a perception, I think, that people who are fans of television shows uh, see, you know, they, they perceive this as being a battle amongst all of you. So they think it's weird if they see a picture of, of you and, and, and Zach and, and Nick and Tenny and everybody else standing together. They're like, well, how can they all get along? Aren't they all in competition with one, with one another? And, and really, the only thing you're in competition with is uh, any other show that's on the exact same time as you in terms yeah. of a television program. I used to say that with people all the time with Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures because there's, you know, Ghost Adventures is your competition. I would say, but they're not. They're on another night and another time. And if anything, like, they're broadening, like, the paranormal audience. So why are we in competition with them? And uh, and people just can't, I mean, they need that. People need that kind of competition. I mean, I can't say the same for Jay and Zach. I feel like they probably are in a little bit of a competition. But <laughs> the rest that's, of us that's, a, that's a personality <laughs> thing, though. That's not. Yeah, I think that is. <laughs> And that, but that happens. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a clash of personalities in anything, uh, and, and you find a way to kind of work through those differences. I'm sure not everybody that's been on Ghost Hunters has gotten along. In fact, I know that they haven't. But oh no! <laughs> but you you learn to work with one another because it's in the end, it's more about furthering what it is that you're doing than it is furthering your own personal agenda. It is, and and you know when you're working in TV too, it is a job. I mean, it's a job at the end of the day, and you know we all have coworkers that we don't get along with. But we still work with them, and we try to make it happen, and that's it's the same thing. Well, I'm I'm glad that at least now you know you, you've always had this perspective throughout the whole process. But I think now people will listen to that a little bit more because they're not going to look at you as being the person who is on TV. They're going to look at you as the person who has gone through that and has found a way to blossom beyond that. So I think now maybe people will hear this message and say, "Gee, maybe I shouldn't take everything that I see on these shows so seriously. Maybe I shouldn't get so wrapped up." in what I perceive to be the behind-the-scenes story. Right. And, I mean, it, it's such a double, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, though, too, because the fact that people are that interested in you, it shows how much they care about you, you know, and, and, and the show and, you know, ultimately, hopefully, the paranormal. And so it's, it's one of those things where, yes, every once in a while somebody says something awful, but... 99.9% of the time they're like super supportive and they feel like they're part of your family. And also, by the way, just to point out, during this interview, uh, somebody on Twitter, uh, Nikki on Twitter, has actually coined a term. I don't know if you've ever used it before, but she was calling this a brutally honest interview. So, <laughs> brutally obvious. Uh, I love it. So there you go. So you got a new uh, a new term out of I'm, it. I'm going to trademark it tomorrow or whatever. Do you it. Do. <laughs> I want to see that on a T-shirt before the next uh, Stranger Scapes right, event. On it. <laughs> and uh, and again, uh, people can come out Thursday night to the office in New Bedford if they want to come and uh, take part in this class. They can go to strange-escapes.com and and again, just remind everybody what they can expect on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night. The, the great thing about these workshops is they're limited to like ten to fifteen people. And so it's just a small, it's a class. We're going to talk about sphere photography. We're going to talk about debunking sphere photography. We take a little break and then we investigate the office building, which is an old Victorian house. So, um, it's a really cool opportunity because I'm there. I'm bringing in a photographer who has no idea what he's in for <laughs> and, um, so that he can kind of debunk things for us. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we, I mean, these are the last two I have scheduled or this month. I have this one, and then in two weeks there's one with Adam and me, and I'm still working on the summer schedule now, so there will be more announced, and um, you just have to register ahead of time on the website just because space is so limited. 
<laughs> just a side note too, and uh, and I know that you've probably been out for some of the aha nights that happened down in that area. Have uh, have you given any thought to working with aha and doing something? I thought about it. Just I'm I kind of I feel like I'm a little off the beaten path. I'm not sure, but I have thought about it because I think that people would love to get into that building just to check it out anyway. Um, so I might, I might. I just I'm trying to figure out how to work it and how to kind of make it work for what they're trying to do there. Well, just just a warning. We did an aha night paranormal discussion, and uh, and a guy showed up and sat there looking very strange for the entire discussion. And then at the very end, we have the Q and A section, and and he raises his hand, and we call on him, and he looks at us with these creepy, scary eyes, and says, "What are your feelings on soul collecting?" <laughs> I was like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, collecting people's souls. So yeah. just if, if the soul collector guy happens to show up to any of your strange education events. You know, you know. Like a, you, I feel like you should have taken a picture, maybe, so that you know we know who to look for. <laughs> I, I wish. I mean, you just when he walks in, you're going to know. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the soul collector Oh, there's guy. the soul collector. Yeah, so right. if he shows up, let me know, because I think we want to book him as a guest. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Great. I, you know, I've never met a soul collector before, so... There's a first time for everything. I'll you know, be sick that night. It, maybe maybe you have met one and you just don't know it yet. Maybe you'll find out when your soul belongs to him. <laughs> but uh, until then, people can check out Strange Escapes again, strange-escapes.com. And of course, you've got all kinds of stuff happening, even around the Strange Escapes events. You've got plenty of other things that are happening. Uh, anything coming up on the horizon that people locally would be interested in? Yeah, um, on the 15th of May, actually, I think that they sold this out, actually. I was going to say, I have a, a gala in Manchester, New Hampshire, that's like for a premiere for a TV show, but I think that got sold out. But um, I know in June, um, I have the Hudson Valley Paracon, which is uh, June 28th, I believe, and that's in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is like a six-hour drive from here, but it's like a two- or three-day event with a ton of paranormal speakers. And then on June 6th, uh, pretty local, Tilton, New Hampshire, I have uh, an event that's just like a small investigation of the Black Swan Inn. And uh, that stuff you can all find on my Facebook page. Uh, I, I post about them regularly. But that one's, uh, I think, almost sold out as well. So, um, But that's what I have going on. And then I have nothing in July. Thank goodness. I'm going to take July off. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, rest up because uh, once the fall hits, you'll be all over the place. Oh, my gosh. My August is booked already. My September is booked already. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely my calendar's gotten a little crazy all of a sudden. And, and just to let you know, I know we're a year away. I'm already working on my beach body. Oh, my gosh. The cruise is going to be amazing. <laughs> so, And anybody that saw me at Salem Con and saw me just get, you know, just a couple of drinks in me, just wait. Wait to see what happens on the cruise. <laughs> excited to see you on the cruise it's gonna be a good time it's um it's well i mean i will be really happy when it gets like i was saying it's like been super stressful planning it but it's it's gonna be so much fun and i know there's a lot of people after listening i'm sure who are coming with us so there's still a waiting list for it because i mean it's a year out so people still want to go they can get on the waiting list sure yeah um because people do cancel like we've already had a couple of people cancel because uh, weddings and stuff came up, and so uh, we do have a waiting list that people want to get on that. Well, one person who might not have so much fun uh, after that week is uh, is Tenny. He might be, you know, we get along really great now. He might hate me at the end of that trip. <laughs> get me away from this guy. We'll see. You have to see. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Tenny effect at events. I, I don't know how it's going to work on a boat because, you know, Tenny gives his lecture 
And then we joke about this all the time. <laughs> but he gives his lecture, and then usually a gaggle of, like, 10 to 20 women follow him around <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. And, like, <laughs> Stanley, he literally went outside to smoke a cigarette. And they all just kind of held court around him. They, like, sat down on the ground, like, and were just listening to every word he said. And I feel like on the cruise ship, he's not going to be able to escape. No, it's definitely not. interesting to see what happens. <laughs> It'll almost be as interesting as seeing him walking around in a pair of Bermuda shorts with the shirt and the tie. I didn't even think about that. I feel like he's just going to always wear his trench coat and uh, slacks the whole time. I think I think the trench coat might be uh, court ordered. So. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> so it should be a great time. Again, let us, uh, if you want to go to any of these events, whether it be uh, at the office to take the Strange Education courses or to go to the actual Strange Escapes events, strange-escapes.com. Sorry, I, I tend to slur my words a little bit as we get closer to midnight. You're fine, yeah. It's bedtime. <laughs> All right. And speaking of which, uh, we will let you go. And, uh, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Have a good night. You as well. Take care. Thanks. Bye. That is Amy Bruni. And again, strange-escapes.com is the website. See, I was able to not screw it up that time. But I just think that it's fantastic, first of all, for the city of New Bedford, that this is a business now, a you know nationally recognized and internationally recognized business that's going to be one of the, the leaders in the paranormal right here in New Bedford. You know, so when you think about it, the South Coast has strange escapes. The South Coast has, you know, a good portion of legend trips. Mm -hmm. Here, we're kind of cornering the market on this stuff in our little corner of Massachusetts. See that? Just proof that we are better than California. You were going to throw California in there. I wasn't. I wasn't wrong. (laughs) Now, granted, I've only spent uh, like forty-eight hours in California my entire life, and I enjoy those forty-eight hours. But I will put New England up against anybody. It's just interesting, no matter what way you look at it. I just think that it's uh, it's one of those things, too, where people, no matter where you go, you hear the stories about certain locations, but mm-hmm. people come to New England with an idea of this place is haunted. This whole area is haunted. This whole region is haunted. But yet, yet again, you tell people that live in this area, that grew up in this area, stories about that, and you tell them that. You say, oh, you know, the Bridgewater Triangle, all this activity, and they look at you like, that's crazy, too. You know, mm-hmm. how can I live in such a haunted place? I've never experienced it. That's more common than people think it is. That you haven't experienced it? Yeah. But also, too, though, I think a lot of the times people do, and they don't realize that that's what they're going through. Right. You know, they don't realize that they're actually brushing up against these things that they that's a typical, think that they don't believe in. Typical skeptic thing is... Oh, that's just because my electricity is doing something strange. Oh, this is but ske- of that. skeptic kind of gives it an idea of you know they're against it, but I mean I'm talking even like a paranormal agnostic, mm-hmm. somebody who really doesn't believe one way or another, but they they don't piece together the the puzzle pieces right and and see the larger picture of you know yes this is happening and I, I know that you know you probably get a lot of people that contact you for you know, readings for for connections to the other side that don't realize all these signs that they've been seeing, that you're telling them, like, that's what this means, that's what this means. And then it finally dawns on them when they have you tell them, oh, oh, I see. And then Moniz, you know, you're probably hearing people explain to you things that are going on in their house, and you're like, well, you know, connect some of these dots and see what's happening. A lot of the times they're just trying to brush it off, the old Yankee stoic. 
type of this has happened, but it's got to be this. They try and write it. Yeah, they try and write it off. Somebody asked me this week because their daughter had just purchased a house. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me this week if when you are, you know, how can you tell when you're going to buy a house if there's activity? How can you tell if there's something going on? And my answer for it was, listen, I can tell you all kinds of old wives' tales. I can tell you about hanging a mirror on a south-facing wall. I could tell you about, you know, throwing salt across the threshold and seeing if anything crosses. You know, I could tell you all these, like, old wives' tales of how to tell. But in actuality, you don't know because that activity ever happening depends on who it is that's there to experience it. You don't know. I, I've i had so many people ask me, if I'm going to buy a house, can you come with me house hunting to, like, walk in the house and tell me if I should buy this house or not? I'm not going to do that. You don't want that job. I'm like, buy your house, and I'll come in, and I'll clear it before you move in. And that's become really popular because I tell people, even if you don't have the paranormal activity, which is, I mean, the area we live in, it's just everywhere has spirits. But um, I tell everyone you should clear your house no matter what because you have the energy of the previous homeowners in it or, you know, if somebody gets in a fight in a house, it leaves negative energy. So... You know, just just get everything out and make it your own. So I would, I mean, I would love to have that option of telling people, you know, yes, this is a haunted place. No, this isn't. But, right. you know, to, you also don't want to be in the position of, you know, somebody finds their dream house. Mm-hmm. I love everything about this house. Well, I detect the spirit of an old man that's hanging <laughs> around down in the basement. Uh-huh. Oh, then never mind. You know, and now you've just crushed everything that they've ever Some wanted. Some spirits are so quiet, you might never even know that they're there. Exactly. And in, in other cases, too, like, what if you go in there, they they want to buy the house, and you tell them, I don't see anything here. I don't feel anything here. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, so we're good. And then something happens later on. They you put the blame on you. Lawsuit, yeah. Or even worse, you probably should have gotten some sort of a commission from the, from the realtor for helping with that sale. <laughs> right. Either way, see, that's the thing. If you're going to do that job, get your real estate license. Yeah, you could. And become the realtor that can tell you if the house is haunted or not. So basically, you're just setting up my future for me. I am. But (laughs) the key here is you have to know your client. See, you have to be able to say to the person, oh, don't worry, you want this house. It's not haunted. And then be able to say to the other weirdos, oh, you want this house. It's definitely haunted. See, the whole reading minds and planting ideas in people's heads might come in handy, too. That's true. What about the reverse? There are plenty of people out there looking to buy haunted houses. Right, exactly. And you have to be able to know the audience and cater to both. You know, you want to be able to you know tell the 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 scared housewife no there's no ghost here and you want to be able to tell tom dagasino yes buy this house because it's haunted Mm -hmm. because he bought his house because it was haunted now i just need to point this out because i can't let this go any further it's uh it's 11 52 here on saturday night on uh, on may 2nd and i just have to point out that the picture is out there on twitter floyd mayweather is walking to the ring with the burger king okay he literally has the Burger King in tow. I do see that. Uh, as part of his entourage as he makes his way to the ring for his fight against Manny Pacquiao. So I that's don't, creepy. That's that's just awesome. So I, I have to say that that's... Um, you can't go wrong with walking to the Burger King. I mean, Manny Pacquiao walked down with Jimmy Kimmel in full run DMC gear. That's funny. But I think the Burger King topped that. I don't know. Could this fight have gotten any more ridiculous? Yes. It's Vegas. And also, I wonder how Burger King stockholders are going to feel about him walking walking down to the ring, their, their mascot walking down to the ring with somebody who is a known physical abuser of women. 
I don't know. But that's a topic for a whole other night. Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed that conversation with Amy Bruni. We're already seeing the comments coming up on Twitter using the hashtag Spooky Live, you know, talking about uh, just how honest the interview was and, and how for But that's Amy. That's how she is. Right. We'll have to get her in studio. Yeah, and I love when she, I love when she comes in studio because you know it's even more. Uh, the people can see her on the camera and understand. Like when she's talking about the stuff, she has a conviction to right. what she's saying. And I just, I felt bad because with all the stuff that was going on, mm-hmm. you know, and all the the attacks that have been happening lately, I said, you know, I've, we've been wanting to have you come on and talk about strange escapes, but you know, I can't not address this issue, right? Because it has become an issue and it has become kind of a divisive issue. For some people, and not not just the whole report, because as I said, nobody reads this reporter. Yeah. But it's become an issue amongst fans of the television show. And in actuality, like we were talking about on the air, what difference does it make? Not everybody's going to be on a show forever. If you like them on a television show, and I listen, I like Amy, I like Adam. I like them as people, I like the presence that they brought to the show. But I don't think it changes the no, way that the show goes. Part of it may be... You know when you read a really good book and you you read the last page and then you're like, I don't even want to touch another book now. It's the same thing. They're almost like her fans are mourning the loss of her and Adam on the show because they saw them, they became connected to them. And when something like that happens, it gets them all riled up. It gets the other half of people riled up. It's it's crazy. Maybe it just it's different for me because maybe I just never looked at Ghost Hunters as that type of a show where... But some people are obsessive about things. Oh, I know. Some people are just whacked out. They too. have nothing else to do. But I, I mean, I look at it as the, the the star of that show is investigating. I mean, that's what you're tuning in for. That's what you're watching to see if something happens. I've never really based the show on the investigators right. as quote unquote characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's different now when you're watching a show like Ghost Adventures because you have to be heavily involved in the three guys or who you know however yeah. many is on it now. You have to be heavily involved in those people as on-screen characters, mm-hmm. and I say that not as if they're portraying. You know, they're portraying. No, but they they are themselves. Their personalities I'm, are shown more and, so. And when you're watching, I mean, you you have to accept who they are or completely hate who they are mm-hmm. um, to become involved in what it is they're doing with but ghost you hunters. Watch either way, exactly. <laughs> but with ghost point. hunters, they've always kept kind of that that barrier of you know we are who we are, but mm-hmm. when we when we do the investigation, we get down to it. Yeah, they're, they're more on that even-keel professional level. Um, but I, even in the beginning, the very first episodes of Ghost Hunters, I remember when they break off in teams of two and they would show them, I would get bored watching some of them just because right. I didn't enjoy watching their personalities. So, I mean, as much as they kind of keep that, that nice even flow, it's still, you pick your favorites, you know. I mean, a lot of those early episodes, too, you know, there was, there was to some degree, some manufactured drama. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to say manufactured like they were lying, but you could tell, like, in the way they were presenting the story, that's like they were right. trying to, to, to develop them as people and as characters. And then they realized in later seasons, like, that's not really all that important. That's not what people are tuning in for. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to be able to have enough trust in these people that when they're having an experience and reporting that this is happening to them, that you can take them at face value for it. And, uh, you know, that's what one of the hardest things about working on, on a show is you need to find a way to tell the story of the haunting but also find a way to make it connect with the people who are investigating it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it has to be something that means something. It can't just be a matter of, uh, you know, here's a haunted place, so we're going in. 
you know, there has to be a little bit more of a connection to that. And with Ghost Hunters, they've always had that ability to do so because they're trying to find the answers for somebody. You know, they're there on behalf of the person that owns the location. Right. With Ghost Adventures, they're there on behalf of their own personal quest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's and that's what I think people get too tied up into is they see the differentiation in the... Uh, in the driving factor behind the people that are doing the investigating, and they mix up that because one does it, the other should have to. And that's not the case at all. I can see that. But I think even if one show existed and the other one didn't, they would still find something to complain about, to love, to hate. It doesn't matter. They just become overly obsessive with reality television. I watched a different... You know, all different types of reality shows, anywhere from something like American Idol to something on MTV reality. And I find myself, whether there's drama, there's no drama. If it's more of like a real reality series or, you know, that kind of, you know, it's producers are behind the reality. It doesn't matter. I find myself picking favorites, not liking parts of it. So I'm just not crazy. So I don't go on the Internet and complain. And we've all had our different reasons for investigating. Moniz has done a balance of... You know, trying to find his own answers and trying to help people who have needed it. You know, you've always found that same balance. You know, mm-hmm. it, for the most part, for you, it was kind of figuring out what it, you know, how to fit your abilities into your role as an investigator and also right. when people need help. And with me, it's kind of like I just go along with everybody else. You know, I'm not really, I could never be a person to help each other, uh, to help other people. And, and so that's, to me, that's fine. If that's not somebody's motivating factor, I can understand that. And it doesn't have to be the same way for everybody. Uh, I was going to say, as a sports writer and you're dealing with sports, a lot of people may like the same team but hate certain players on it. Right. Absolutely. We see that all the time. Oh Well, I also see by the clock that we are just about out of time. But we will be back next Saturday night. Moniz, you will probably be at Lizzie's for the duration, yeah. I think. Uh, but I'll at least be there until it's showtime. And, uh, but that is a private event. We shouldn't really say that we're going to be. <laughs> it's a private event. People rented out the house. Stay away. Uh, but uh, we will be back with another show next week. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll uh, be able to keep going with these even around the Red Sox schedule. So stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com and on Twitter at SpookySC. We'll always have the updates for you on there. Uh, and you can always email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. So until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>